Let's pray as we open up God's word. Thank you for the book of Hebrews. It's an amazing book that you've given us. What a privilege to study. Help me, give me wisdom, give me your heart, give me your strength, Lord. And I pray that you would unleash the power of your spirit through the word of God and deeply impact each of our hearts this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we're beginning a new sermon series on the letter to the Hebrews. So let's go ahead and turn there. Hebrews chapter 1. And as we always say, if you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand because we are passionate about studying the scriptures in detail here at Mercy Hill Church. So raise your hand. We'll bring one to you. The letter to the Hebrews is on page 1001 in the Bibles that we're passing out. Let me just start with this question, and that is, what, what do we know about the letter to the Hebrews? What is this book? What is this letter? And one thing we don't know is who wrote it. The author did not choose to write his name. It's clear from chapter 13, as you read it, that he knew the people he was writing to personally. He knew them personally. They knew exactly who he was, which is probably why he didn't see the need to write his name. Um, And so that's why we don't know who the author is. But what's important to us today is whether or not this was written by an apostle. Because apostles were men specially gifted by Jesus Christ to write truth directly from God. The very words of God is what apostles were gifted to write and, and to speak. And when the early church saw that a book had been written by an apostle, they included it, they recognized this is God's very words. And so they included it as part of the New Testament. And the early church did include Hebrews in the New Testament. So we know that they recognized, even though we don't necessarily see all the connections, that that this was from an apostle. But actually, when we do some historical research, we can see why they would have concluded that. When you think about the um, eastern part of the church, Jerusalem, Palestine, Egypt, their earliest tradition was that this was written by Paul. Okay, that's possible. But an even earlier tradition was in the western part of the Mediterranean, Rome and the islands over there. Even earlier tradition was that this had been written by Barnabas. So Tertullian. And he just assumed everybody agreed with that in this document he wrote. Now, it doesn't really make any difference, though, whichever way you go on this, because... Paul was an apostle, and Luke tells us in chapter 14, verse 14, that Barnabas was also an apostle. Okay, Wayne Grudem argues for this in his book, Systematic Theology. That may just be a whole new thought for you. I will refer you to him. He's the the expert. Okay, but Luke 14, 14, jot it down, take a look at that, um, that both Paul and Barnabas were called, in the same verse, apostles. And so whether it was Paul or whether it was Barnabas or whether it was some other apostle, We know that this is the very words of God. This is like no other document, no other literature other than the other ones in this book here. Okay? These are the very words of God. It's written by apostles. Now, when you read through Hebrews, you can learn a little bit about who who he was writing to. There's a group in Rome, small group, like like a house church in Rome, who were struggling spiritually. Significant spiritual struggle. Um, they'd gone through terrible persecution for their faith. Some of their members were in prison. You can see that in chapter 13. 
And uh, some of them had, had stopped gathering with other believers, maybe because of fear of persecution, we don't know, or just drifting from the faith. Some have st- stopped gathering. The author says that by this time they should have been teachers, teaching others the basics of the faith, but they themselves needed to be retaught the basics of the faith. You can see that in chapter 5, verse 12. I'm sorry, Acts 14.14. What did I say? Not Luke. Luke wrote Acts, but it's Acts 14.14. Thank you. Everybody's like, where is that about Barnabas being an apostle? Okay, thank you. Acts 14.14. So, small group of believers, struggling spiritually, persecution, imprisonment, stopping meeting, uh, had had drifted from the faith. They should be teachers of the basics. They needed to be retaught the basics. And in chapter 2, verse 1, we see that they'd been growing lax in their devotion to God's word. So let's start with where the author starts, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and see what he speaks to this small group of struggling believers in Rome. Here's what he says. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but... In these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. These verses are just sizzling with power. Do you feel that? Now, this passage could take us in a lot of different directions. We could be led here, and there are all kinds of fruitful implications of this passage. But here's the question we want to raise. Where did the author want to lead us with this passage? Where is he taking us here? He's taken us somewhere. Where is he taking us? And so I kept reading, where is he taking us? This is powerful stuff, but where does he want us to go with this? And I did not find the answer anywhere in chapter 1, but I did see the answer in the first verse of chapter 2. Okay, look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Here's what he says. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. That word, therefore, shows that all of chapter 1 is pointing towards this verse. Verses 1 through 4, verses 5 through 14, it's all... Therefore, okay... We must pay much closer attention to what we've heard. That word, therefore, is crucial. And notice that in chapter 2, verse 1, we're also urged to pay much closer attention to what we have heard. Okay, circled. Can we move on to the next uh, slide, John? There we go. Anyway, we can drop that down. Is that just the glutes this morning? Maybe not. Anyway, you can see verse 1. He's spoken to us by his Son, and then what we have heard over here. So that's, chap- that's chapter uh, 1 up there. This is chapter 2, verse 1. And so chapter 2, 1 is where this chapter 1, 1 through 4 is going. Can we go to the next slide also? Okay, so here's how I would view chapter 1 through chapter 2, verse 1. Just so you can kind of get a bird's eye picture of what's going on here. Um, 
chapter 1, 1 through 4, he says, because God has spoken to us in his Son, we're going to unpack that today, and, verses 5 through 14, because his Son is superior to the angels, that's next week, therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what he has said in his Son. All right, so that's where we're going to go with verses 1 through 4 of chapter 1. So the author of Hebrews, the apostle, speaking the very words of God, writing the very words of God here, would look each of us in the eye, and he would say, pay much closer attention to what God has spoken in Jesus. Pay much closer attention. I took a whole chapter to build up to this. Therefore, pay much closer attention to what God has spoken in Jesus. Now, now why? And notice those last few words, four words, six words, in verse 1, chapter 2. Lest we drift away from it. There's the danger. Here's an analogy. Imagine that you are in the river above the Niagara Falls. Boom. Okay, there it is. All right. You're in the river above the Niagara Falls and you are drifting to certain destruction of being taken over the falls, plunging to your death. And in great mercy, God throws you a rope. Okay? He throws you the rope of the word of his salvation in Jesus Christ. Now, if you cling to that rope, okay, there you are, you're, you're feeling the current, rumble, 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 okay, Niagara Falls, you're feeling the current pulling you. If you cling to that rope tenaciously and passionately and persistently and continuously, you'll be pulled away from the falls to heaven, salvation. If you don't cling to that rope continuously, tenaciously, passionately, you will flow down to eternal destruction. That's why the author wants to urge us to pay much closer attention, to to grip the rope of God's revelation through his son, Jesus Christ. Grip onto this rope, lest you drift away. There's a current flowing. If you're not gripping, you're going. Understand that. There is a current. You are in the river. Feel it? Oh, do you feel it? It's in here. Indwelling sin, remaining sin. It's out there, but it's in here. You're feeling it. Grip it. Lest we drift away from it. Now, he doesn't just, though, want us to try to, like, grit our teeth and try to kind of discipline ourselves. That's not how the Bible is set up. I love how the Holy Spirit inspired the Scriptures. God didn't just give us commands, which He wants us to will ourselves to obey. He's also given us reasons, which the Holy Spirit will use to motivate, motivate us to obey. And that's what chapter 1 is all about. And chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, has seven reasons why we must grip all the more tightly, tenaciously, continuously to the word of God's revelation in his son, Jesus Christ. Seven reasons. So here's what I'm praying. Some of you have not been gripping to the word of God. Okay? I mean, just just ask yourself. I mean, think about your life. Do you hold on to the Bible like you would hold on to a rope keeping you from going over the Niagara Falls? Do you grip God's revelation in Jesus Christ that way? Is there a passion in your heart 
to start off the day renewing your hold on who Jesus Christ is as revealed in God's word. Oh, I, I got to start by, I'm, I'm, I'm holding on. Okay, good. Right? Is that how you start the day? Do you go through the day clinging to Jesus Christ as he's revealed in the scriptures? When you feel the pull of like boredom or the pull of lust or the pull of greed or the pull of just, you know, fame and fortune or whatever, when you feel those pulls, do you, oh, I'm feeling the pull, holding onto the rope. Okay? Some of you don't, you're not gripping onto the word. And, uh, and we all could grow more, I'm assuming. I could. We all could. Okay, so, seven reasons we should pay close attention to God's word. Are you ready? Got your seatbelt on? All right. First reason. Because this word was spoken to us by God's Son. Verses 1 and 2. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, Old Testament, But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So in the Old Testament, God spoke by the prophets. The prophets were men. Uh, They were gifted by God to write God's very words, which is why we love the Old Testament. We love the Old Testament scriptures. I hope you do. We here at Mercy Hill, we love the Old Testament scriptures. But the prophets were just men, and they were just speaking about God. Okay? Jesus was God. It's one thing for somebody to say, let me tell you about somebody. But if that somebody says, I'm here, that's much better. That's more superior. That's more clear. Right? So all through the Old Testament, God's sending men. He's gifting them to write truth directly from God. And it's it's very powerful, very helpful. But God came in the person of Jesus. God came. He was here. And so the Old Testament's talk about what he would do when he comes, looking ahead to the coming of the Messiah. The four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, talk about what Jesus was doing when he was here. So we can see in those four books the revelation of Jesus here on the earth, what he did, what he said. And the rest of the New Testament unfolds the implications of God's revelation in Jesus. But the point is that this book contains Revelation of God coming to earth in the person of Jesus. He spoke to us by his own son being here, which makes this book far more important than Facebook, far more important than email, right? Far more important than anything else that you would do. Grip it. Hold to it consistently, tightly, tenaciously. That's the first reason. Second reason, because this word was spoken by the one who is the heir of all things. I mean, each of these statements is just like, whoa. Verses 1 and 2 again. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. The day is coming when the Father will honor his Son for his death and resurrection by giving him everything as his inheritance. Everything. Now, here's how this struck me. Some of you might hold back from really gripping tenaciously to the word because, well, uh, like people at work would scoff if they knew you were doing that. 
Or, you know, talk show hosts kind of scoff at that. Or, you know, celebrity athletes don't don't bother with that. So, those are reasons that can make us hold back. But see, the, the author of, of Hebrews wants us to understand that at the end of history, Jesus is going to inherit everything. Everyone who's ever lived is going to see the Father giving Jesus Christ everything. Everything is going to be given to Christ. Your, your boss is going to see the Father giving Jesus Christ everything. Oprah is going to see the Father giving Jesus Christ everything. Okay? Let me just, just go down the list. Vernon Davis is going to see Jesus Christ receiving everything from the Father. Now, we hope that your boss and Vernon Davis and Oprah all bend their knee before Christ before they see this, because at that point it will be too late. But whether they do or they don't, they at that point will see it. And you will be so glad that you held to the revelation of the one who's going to be receiving everything as his inheritance. So don't let the fact that people scoff today or ignore it today or don't mention it or mock it today, don't let that hold you back. This is the rope. The revelation of God in Jesus Christ contained in this book is the only rope. Hold it. You'll never regret it. That's the second reason. Third reason. Because this word was spoken by the one through whom everything was created. Okay, so verses 1 and 2 again. Long ago at many times in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Now think about this. How would you feel if you were handed a nuclear reactor with an instruction manual, and you were told that this nuclear reactor, if you followed the instruction manual, it could provide all the power needs you have for the rest of your life. Okay, All your power provided. Or it could blow up and destroy you. Okay, so here you are. You've got this, got this nuclear reactor. How important would it be to understand the instruction manual? Be up there on your list, right? Okay, you'd, you'd probably read it a couple times at least. All right, you'd, you'd be you'd be making sure. Now, the, what the author says here in this verse is that everything was created through Jesus, which means that Jesus has infinitely more power than a nuclear reactor. We are dealing here with power. And this book tells us about his power and about how because of our sin, all of us face his power in punishing us forever. Okay? But this book also tells us that he himself came and died on the cross and that when we cling to the word of who he is, his power is changed from power that's going to punish because our sins were punished in his death on the cross. All of his power is devoted to do us good. So, Instead of power to punishment, power, power to, for, for good for the rest of our lives until, until eternity. So two very different directions that come from, from clinging. The moment you cling to this book, all your sins are forgiven. The moment you cling to Jesus Christ as revealed in this book, his power is devoted to do you good. So how important 
Is it to read these instructions which tell us how to experience Jesus' power for blessing, for forgiveness, for favor, for joy, for heart satisfaction in Him, for overcoming sin? How important is it just to understand how to access His power for that and instead of experiencing His power for punishment? Just, I mean, think about it. How important is it? This is the instruction manual for the nuclear power, for the one who's infinitely more powerful than nuclear power. So cling to it. Fourth reason. This word was spoken by the one who is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Verses 1 through 3. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Now, the analogy of the river in Niagara Falls could be a little misleading on, on one point at least. And that is that the main idea from that analogy is that this keeps us from destruction. And that's true. That It does that, okay? But, and, and that if we grip to this rope by faith, then we'll avoid that, that, that punishment, that eternal destruction. But there's something else that happens when we grip this rope. Not only are we held back from going over the falls we are also pulled into the presence of the one who is the radiance of God's glory and the exact imprint of his nature. So when you grip the truths of this book by faith, you're pulled into the presence of the radiance of God's glory. And that is your highest joy. That's the ultimate value of the universe is the glory of God in the face of Christ. And so this doesn't just keep you from punishment. That's huge. Okay? But when you grip to the truth of God's word by faith, you are again and again pulled into his presence. You're pulled into experiencing his love. You're pulled into beholding his glory in the face of Christ. So, I mean, think about it. Where do romance novels pull you? Okay? Where does porn pull you? Where does gossip pull you? Forget that stuff, okay? Cling to the Word of God daily, regularly, and be pulled into the presence of God in Jesus Christ. He is your heart's satisfaction. That's how we experience that. That's the fourth reason. So are you getting persuaded yet? Okay, I hope so, but you got three more, all right? Just in case. Mopping up operation. These last three. Okay, fifth. Because this word was spoken by the one who upholds the universe by the word of his power. Verse three. He is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Another just stunning statement. See, we're used to thinking that the universe, it's like, it's all held in place by natural laws like gravity. Right? Gravity is what kind of keeps this whole thing going. Orbits and us all not floating off, you know. And it's true, but it's Jesus whose word causes gravity to keep you in your seat right now. It's Jesus whose word causes me not to float off into outer space right now. It's Jesus whose power is holding everything here in place. Here, planet Earth, universe. 
Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who walked here 2,000 years ago, who died on the cross, who rose again, His power is upholding everything in existence. Jesus Christ. So, think about that. Think of the authority that He has. He's holding everything up. He has massive authority. And then think about the fact that this one who has this incredible authority, he's, he's upholding everything, he commanded you, abide in my word. Let your words, let, let, let my words abide in you. He commanded us, the one who has authority to uphold everything by the word of his power. He's looked at you in the eye through the scriptures and he said, abide in my word, abide in my word. Abide in my word. Let my words abide in you. Let my words abide in you. So just by sheer virtue of his authority, doesn't it make sense to to cling to his word? That's the fifth reason. Sixth reason. This word was spoken by the one who made purification of sins. Verse 3, again. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he made purification of sins. Let's just stop right there. Jesus made purification of sins. And that's huge. Huge. Here's one reason why. You could think that what Christianity is all about is being good enough to make up for your past sin. Right? If I can just cling good enough, if I can be good enough, then, I, then I'm going to make up for my past sin. But the problem is that deep down inside, we all know it doesn't work. We all know we can't. And so in despair, many people can just say, well, then why even bother? I can't, I can't do it anyway. Forget about it. But see, Jesus made purification of sins. He has made a way for you to be completely purified from all your past sins completely purified from all your present sins that are in your heart right now, completely purified from all your future sins. And the only way is by clinging to him by faith alone in Christ alone, by holding the truth of who he is, trusting in the truth of who he is, as revealed in the scriptures. And so the moment you turn and you cling to this rope, you're completely purified from sins. And you don't need to try to make up for your past sins. You can't. But we just trust him. We trust Him. We trust. We live in His forgiveness. We live in the wonder of His love for us through Christ, His mercy and grace. Forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We cling to that Word. We cling to it. This is how purification of sins comes. So don't let the thought that you've got to make up for your past sin cause you to be discouraged. Keep clinging to this rope. That's where purification of sins is. One last reason. It's because this word was spoken by the one who sat down at the right hand of God. Verse 3, read all of it. He's the radiance of the glory of God, and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus sat down. After the cross and the resurrection and the ascension, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And here's how it impacts me. You might be tempted to hedge your bets. Okay? Cling a little to this book. Okay? Cling a little to the Quran. 
Okay, cling a little to the Hindu scriptures, right? Cling a little to Tony Robbins, okay? You might be tempted to hedge your bets. But see, if you're clinging to other things, what are you not clinging on to? The rope. The only rope. But see, here's why you don't need to hedge your bets. There's no other religious leader who's seated at the right hand of God, the majesty on high. Jesus Christ is the one who's seated at God's right hand. Jesus Christ is the only Son of God. His Father, Son, His Holy Spirit. You don't need to hedge your bets with any other religious pursuits. Jesus said, somebody, I think Dave Clark mentioned it earlier, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. The revelation of Jesus in the Word of God. God's son. So you don't need to hedge your bets. He's the only one seated at the right hand of God. This book is the revelation of Jesus Christ, the one who's seated at the right hand of God. So so cling. Cling to this book. So again, here's the picture. Niagara Falls flowing. Okay? You're feeling the pull. You're hearing the rumble behind you. It's real. All right? God has thrown us a rope by his mercy. Jesus Christ, his only son, crucified, dead, buried, risen from the dead. The revelation of who God is. God doesn't leave us wondering, who's God? I'm trying to search for God. God came in the person of Jesus. We have a book that he's given to us. His very words explaining this revelation of who Jesus Christ is. This will save us when we cling to it tenaciously and passionately and consistently and vigorously. So how are you doing in terms of clinging to this book? My encouragement would be, pray over these seven reasons. Pray over them, and and, and the Holy Spirit will stir your heart so that you'll, you'd rather read the Word before you have breakfast. Right? You'd rather read read the Word than do some of this other stuff that we can waste our time doing. Okay? Read the Scriptures. Now, let's stand together. Here's what I want us to do. Dave, Dave can come on up. I'm just praying that this morning, uh, that some of you want to make this like really a tangible thing. Like, okay, maybe I've been drifting, haven't been as, haven't been gripping as consistently. I've been letting go of my grip too much, or haven't been gripping at all. I just want to give you a chance to make this tangible, and to say, I want, I want to kind of turn over a new leaf today, and say, Lord, I'm going to pay much more close attention to what I've heard in the person of Jesus through the scriptures. Just come on up here and kneel down. We want to pray for you. This is, again, some of you, you're, we're at all different levels, different places, but if you this morning, the Holy Spirit stir in your heart, this is Holy Spirit work in your heart, I want to grip to the word more. Between me and the Lord, this is what I want to do. Somebody come pray for me. Come on up right now and just kneel down, and then we're going to have people come up and pray for you. So come on up. Be bold. We're all family here. Lord, I pray that you'd move upon us right now. Lord, help us to feel that the river is flowing, the current is going, and we need to be gripping. Thank you that you, by the power of your Spirit, will enable us, Lord, to set other things aside. You will change our hearts through these seven reasons so that we grip onto your word. So, Lord, come right now with power. Bring your, bring your grace upon us, Lord. Let's have some folks come up here and just lay hands on these that are here and, 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 and pray as we're praying over them. And, so coming up, prayers, come on up here. Anybody else want to come up to 
to be prayed for. Come on up, you can do that too. Just come on up and kneel down. But Father, I pray that any lies that have been in our hearts about, you know, we can't understand it, it's too complicated, Lord, we know that your Spirit will help us understand. You've promised that in your Word. Lord, I pray for just an outpouring of passion for the Word of God to be upon us. That we would see that this is your revelation of your Holy Son. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ in your words, God given to us by the apostles and the prophets, and that we would meet Jesus in these words regularly. Cling to Jesus as revealed in these words continuously. Fight against the pull of the current when we're we're drifting by clinging to your power in these words tenaciously. Lord, help us to do that, I pray. And Lord, all of us, whatever you're leading us to do, just move upon us, I pray, for the glory of your name. We love your word. We say thank you for your word. Thank you so much. Now, these folks can keep praying up here. Let me just pray over us, and then I'm going to dismiss this. So, Lord, imprint us with your word by the Spirit that this week we will be holding on to the rope of your revelation. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.